Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Drinking and Screaming, a new podcast we're doing about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Char. And I'm Kelly. And this week, we're finally finishing our Month of Candle Nights event by watching Terror Train 1980. We're so sorry the season finale is so late. We did our best to heal up really, really quickly. So you're getting it now. Yeah, I feel like sickness is a good reason to not do a podcast. But again, we are very sorry. And we will try to never get sick ever again, just for you. You can tell us how much this lateness upsets you by doing our survey, because we have a survey, a listener survey at bit.ly slash DAS survey 2019. That's bit.ly slash DAS survey 2019. I put a lot of effort into um, all the different questions that are on there. There's a lot of comment sections too, so feel free to tell us honest, hard truths about this podcast. But not too honest. Because I have thin skin. So if you make me feel bad, I will cry. (laughs) But what is Candlelights, Kelly? So for those of you who don't know, Candlelights is an invention from the McElroys. And it is in response to all the religious holidays. They wanted to make something that was pan-religious, pan-sexual, personal pan-holiday, I believe is the... I was going to say trans-dimensional for some reason, but I mean, who knows? And they've said it themselves that candle nights can just start and end whenever. So technically, maybe we're still in candle nights. Who's to say? It's still winter times, you pa- know. What is it? His Pawnee Pete hasn't uh, come out. Maybe Pawnee Pete coming out of the hole is part of. I feel like his name's not Pawnee Pete, but you know what I mean. The groundhog. The groundhog. Yeah. Maybe That's Groundhog's my Day is also and your birthday. Woo! We should watch. Groundhog's Day. No. (laughs) That's not a horror movie. But first, we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we created this drink to be a New Year's celebration drink with a large enough recipe to satisfy all six of your party guest victims. Or one Kelly. (laughs) But as an apology for being so late with this episode, we're giving away the entire recipe for free. You don't have to be a patron. You get it right now. Holy cow. And if you are a patron, you get our satisfaction. Thank you. (laughs) So I call this drink. Are you ready? I'm really proud of it. I'm no. Yes. Choo-choo champagne. (laughs) You should have pronounced champagne wrong, like choo-choo champagne or something. Or shoo shoo champagne. <laughs> but it's choo choo. It's very good. I like because it. Because it's a train. Because it is a terror train. It's, and it's terrible. Yeah, exactly. So to create this drink, you need three ounces of blueberry kombucha cordial from Mad Lab Distilling, three ounces of an orange liqueur of your choice, three ounces of creme de cassis from Odd Society, and then you top it with champagne. Mm. So this is a recipe that'll make six glasses, roughly, the small ones. Uh, so you want to evenly distribute that cocktail creation in the glass and then add the champagne last. Yeah. It's small because it's for the cheersing in the beginning. Exactly. And then you just start downing Jaeger. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't know, other New Year's drinks. This is very similar to what we did on uh, our candlelights party. I made a, a lovely little cocktail that's pretty similar to this to start off the festivities and I like it. But this one is more blueberry. It's, I find it much more fruity. Yeah, I'm excited to try it, which I will do now through the magic of audio. <laughs> uh? Uh? 
Oh man, that um, is good. Yes, and strong, <laughs> <laughs> and a little bit flat because we took so long setting up the podcast. Dang it! No, mine's still bubbly. Do you uh, want trade? No, it's fine. Um, it is very good, and I think it is a good like Kickstarter for the the party, the party, that and the ve- murder. It seems like it's very risky because it is so tasty. Yes, but also probably very alcoholic. That's why you have to pre-make a batch of the cocktails part of it, and then don't make any more. Yeah, <laughs> so that's you as know much exactly as you how much you have. Yeah, <laughs> I always like the drinks that are like start like create this drink and then put champagne in it. It's almost like soda fountains, where it's like we've got this oh yeah the thick syrup syrup and we've injected carbonated water into it. Yeah, yeah. I like it's really fruity. And we used a dry champagne, which I think helps balance. I think it would be too sweet if you used a sweeter champagne. So make sure you get a dry champagne. Yeah. It is I kind like of, it. It's kind of like you're making carbonated water, but it's alcoholic. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Good job. Thank you. I've waited, I've waited like three months to drink this. I know. <laughs> I planned it. I even had it made before we were going away. Because we were going to record right before we went on uh, my trip to visit my family. And then that didn't work out. Yeah, when we got back, it was cultured. Well, because I'm an idiot, I was like, it's liquor. It'll be fine. But it's made with kombucha. Also very sugary are all of the ingredients to this. And so we made more kombucha by accident. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I guess. It made me think of when I did science experiments, full quote in like seventh grade, which was I took my Bionicles packaging and I put oatmeal in it and then I left it for like six months just to see what would happen. What's a Bionicles packaging? Uh, It's only the coolest thing that Lego has ever made. It had rich lore about these ancient robots that defended elements. I know what a elements. Bionicle is, but what's a Bionicle packaging? They came in like plastic tubes. Oh, so you just had a container of oatmeal? Yeah. <laughs> that went extremely moldy. It was supposed to be a canopic jar, which is the jars that Egyptian pharaohs would put, get their organs put into. Yep. And so I handed it in as my project with the warning like written in like ancient Egyptian script that said, probably just papyrus now that I think about it, that said, like, caution, do not open or you'll be cursed. My teacher opened it to see what was in my canopic jar, and it was extremely disgusting moldy oatmeal. And did she, what did they say? Good job. A plus. Yay! I, one time in science class, my science fair project was to test the five second rule. Oh. And it was awesome. I found out from my testing that it's actually the 30 second rule as long as the food is not wet or dropped on visible dirt slash yuckiness. (laughs) Filth. But I was like 15, so take my science with a grain of salt. Now we need to update it now. But so we watched Terror Train this week. Well, not this week, a while ago, but we're talking about it now. And that premiered on October 3rd, 1980. It's directed by Roger Spottiswood and written by T.Y. Drake. Mmm, the original Drake. Ah, yeah. Three years after a college prank that went terribly awry, the six students responsible are targeted by a masked killer at a New Year's Eve party aboard a moving train. I'm going to do a little Drake. I'm going to let you finish. Ari? That wasn't Drake. Drake didn't say I'm going to let you finish? No. Who said that? 
Kanye West. Was it? The bri- the I was gonna say the bride, the husband of Beyonce. It was I'ma let you finish. It was distasteway, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Anyways, it's not Ari. Ari? I always say Ari. Really? This I might be if one of those. This is a word that has or like a French thing. This might be one of those French things now. <gasps> I you when you said awry, awry I know like terri- things are going awry. I know that word. Yeah. But like I feel like Ari is a synonym. Oh man, now the I'm more pretty- I say it, I think I'm wrong. Awry? I think you're right. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Play the trailer. Play the trailer. <laughs> Terror train. For the students aboard, it's going to be the one party to end them all. The scream in the night isn't the train. It's the terror at your throat. Terror train. I want to know what your thoughts are. That was some strong David Lynch vibes for some reason. (laughs) And I don't, I can't quite put my finger on what it was. But man, that was just the movie. That it was, was so long. I couldn't find a teaser. That was like two, that was almost three minutes long. Yeah. Of basically all the important scenes of the movie. But don't forget that it starts off with, I want to say 30 seconds of a train emerging. I'm not going to dunk on it for that because we'll talk about this later probably, but this movie is extremely like stolen Halloween. Like the movie, yeah. it's basically just copying Halloween and Halloween starts with a pumpkin slowly melting. But that was cooler than the train that train. That's smoked. true. This way one, cooler. This one kind of made it look like the train was the villain for a while there. Yeah. The train comes to life. Like maximum overdrive, but just a train, <laughs> which if you think about is not scary at all, because much like Jaws, where all you have to do is get out of the water. If the villain is a train, just get off the tracks and you're probably going to be fine. And until you're in the train and it's going super fast. That's true. Then you try you to jump off and you will die. You try to unhook the cars, but then tentacles come out and grab you. <laughs> but the tentacles are made of wires or something. I don't know. Also, I named two things that we should probably cover at some point with this podcast. A, David Lynch, very good director, does some horror, but mostly it's just very weird and horror. Two, <laughs> we need to watch Maximum Overdrive. Because I believe, uh, I don't. I want to say it's Lucas, but I know that's wrong. Whoever directed that, extremely high on coke the entire time making that movie. Ah, and it is very good. And that was my go-to movie whenever I was sick. Well, the- both of these have to be your points because I know nothing about either of them. David Lynch or yeah. Maximum Overdrive. Oh, yeah. you'll you'll learn to love Maximum Overdrive. All right, and, I'm looking forward to it. And like Blue Velvet, I guess. Oh, I've seen Blue Velvet. Yeah, that's David Lynch. That's a horror movie. Is it? I've never actually seen it, but I know you get to see Kyle MacLachlan's butt. You get to see a lot of stuff. Which is my favorite. It was in my Monsters and whatever movie class I took. Film class, sorry. Nice. On horror. Yes. And I watched Maniac in that class, too. We'll do that one day. Great. Shall we get to our thoughts? Yeah, that trailer was awful. It was awful. (laughs) Which, it's not as awful as the opening prank at the frat party. 
because that was fucking awful. Oh, is this your fir- first point? That's my first point. I drank my drink. You can't have more. You're going to get too drunk too quick. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> it's New Year's. It's a party. New Whee! Year's, whenever I release this. <laughs> yeah, tonight, hopefully. Woof. Um, But yeah, because Kenny, basically, we're at a frat party. The Jamie Lee Curtis is like the main character, and she's like being... Okay. We should mention that not only did this movie steal the general concept of Halloween, but it's also Jamie Lee Curtis is in this movie. Yep. I talk about it a bit in my scaredy facts. Nice. As to how this movie came about. But yeah, the director was like, I want to ride the coattails of Halloween. Ride that train. So Kenny is just trying to make friends at this frat party. And how is he going to do that? He's going to do some, what's it called? Like hazing ritual of having sex. Because anyone at this party who is, hasn't had sex yet has to wear a weird hat. It's so sexually weird and like... I mean, college, has, as far as I know from watching porn, is extremely sexually weird. <laughs> and uh, so the actual prank that happens is that Kenny is waiting in a room... Or sorry, Kenny is coming up to a room where Jamie Lee Curtis is already waiting in. And they've set up literally a dead body, a corpse from like medical school because they're all med students. They stole a corpse, put it in the bed, and then Jamie Lee Curtis is behind the bed, behind like some mesh so that he doesn't see her, but he can hear her talking. And she's like, I believe it's called lace, whatever, which is far more sexy. And she's like, ooh, come over here, Kenny. Ooh. And he's like, hell yeah. And then he goes to touch her and then he touches a dead body. And it like falls apart because apparently they've severed the limbs of this dead body. And that's the thing. So number one, it's incredibly mean to Kenny. Number two, super disrespectful to an actual human being's corpse. That's true. Although... If my friends pranked my friends using my corpse, I'd be super down for that. Not like this, though. Once I'm dead. That's so mean. Once I'm dead, prank my friends with my corpse. Maybe not sexually. Sexually yeah. is a whole field of... No. Like, do Awful. A, do a weekend at Bernie's, but like people know I'm a corpse, and they're like, why are you dragging around a corpse? And then I've given them written consent from a lawyer so that they can't get arrested or shot. I don't know if you can do that. Uh, it's my body. Still, you're dead. I mean, it's not my body when I die. I leave and go to heaven? Candle nights. Who's to say? <laughs> I go to the candles in the sky. But yeah. It is a f- super fucked up. It is to, we, we should note that Jamie Lee Curtis did not know that this was a corpse. She thought it was probably a mannequin yeah. or something, which is. She was still going to do something mean, but it wasn't going to be like this incredibly awful. It was just a prank hand. Oh, I say that all the time. It's from. Until dawn. Hell yeah. But yeah, so Doc stole. This doc is the name of one of the guys at the frat party. The lead douche. He stole it from his place of work. And like, you can tell he feels no remorse whatsoever. No. Even further on in the movie, because obviously the whole plot of this film is that Kenny comes back to kill them all and like make them pay for what they did. But he's like, I don't understand why he can just be taking this so seriously. It was just a prank. Literally, it's just a prank, Han. Yeah. Yeah. Yuck. Yeah. So that was my first point. Which I mean... In terms of motivation for a person to go on killing rampage, almost having sex with a corpse, p- pretty high up. Yep. On that list, I would Sexual say. Sexual assault. Yep. Yeah. Don't like that. Nope. My number two point. I find Jamie Lee Curtis is much more believable in this film compared to Halloween because she's not awful in Halloween, but I think that she's finally in Terror Train, gotten over that dramatic sigh complex that she has. Oh. You know at the end of Halloween when she's with the knife and she's like, 
when she's and in she the closet just, and she's like, ah, ah, ah. that too. But before the closet, when she's like on the sofa and you can see her like stab Michael, um, yeah. and then she like drops the knife next to him, it's even like though the, she hasn't double checked that he's actually dead. It's Ugh. like the Victorian fainting woman syndrome. <laughs> yeah, which I hate. Um, she's got some more gumption and a lot more character I think in this movie than in Halloween. Yeah. She plays the same style of woman of like being the goody two shoes and not wanting to be an asshole. Yeah. But her she, acting is has some more strength. She dresses though almost identically. It is she is wearing like a pirate She's wearing a costume, pirate outfit, yeah. But it is still like that fashion of like very flowy and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm I'm sure she was wearing parachute pants in Halloween and I'm pretty <laughs> sure her pi- pirate costume I like this feels like two player selection of Halloween. Like you pick Halloween and you get the 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 Laurie Stroud, and then you pick player 2 and it's the character oh, from yeah, Terror yeah, yeah. Train and she's just slightly off color. Nice. Which Thank you for this amazing segue into my last point, which is that this party on the train is somehow a Halloween party. There are costumes. It's a costume party for New Year's. Costume now New Year's party? Yes. I've sure. never done this. I mean, it's not even like a masquerade party because that's a thing that people do yeah. on New Year's. It's literally weird shit because my main point is I found a lot of the women costumes in this movie to be completely over-sexualized and not even in the typical sexy costume party outfit. I'm a bunny. Ooh. Um, there was a woman wearing long pants Hell yeah. up to her breasts and then there was just a plastic hand shoved in there. Like I think that was referencing something. I'm sure in the 80s that was referencing either, okay. either a comedian or... Or like maybe the Adams family, maybe that was supposed to be cousin oh. it or no the thi- thing. What I wish I remember, but I'm pretty sure that was a reference to something because I think I've seen that sort of aesthetic before. Okay, but she was not wearing a bra; it was literally pant up to b- across boob. Yeah, and like all the costumes were so weird. There were no typical costumes, and it kind of I wonder if that was the the point was to make the audience feel weird about it yeah. because. There wasn't any comforting outfits. It was like Uncanny Valley kind of. I guess, except for, I was going to say Laurie Strode. I don't even know what her character name is. Jamie Lee Curtis' outfit was a pirate, which was like kind of familiar. So you already feel empathy and connected to her as a character, maybe. But the first guy that gets killed is dressed up as, I think it's a silent comedian. I can't, he's the guy that's like... He's got the cigar and he kind of wiggles it in front of his face. That's a real, that's based on a real okay. comedian thing. But then like. There's like a lizard boy. Yeah. It's kind of like the swamp monster, but not. I oh, guess. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, but it, maybe I didn't, maybe I haven't connected the It dots. was basically the equivalent of the holiday armadillo though. <laughs> where they just went to a dollar store and bought the first fucking thing they could see. I'm a holiday armadillo. <laughs> uh, I'm here to tell you about Hanukkah. <laughs> which. Brings me to my last point of everything I've said as I'm dissecting this film have kind of been negative, but somehow I can't really put my finger on what made me really like this film, but I did. It is a stupid slasher flick. It was so fun to watch. Like, it's the kooky concept of the train. It's the kooky costumes. I don't know. 
It's not a fantastic movie that I'm like, gotta watch Terror Train again. And yet, maybe next New Year's I'll watch Terror Train yeah, again. We'll invite some friends <laughs> over for the ending of 2020, which will I, I'm sure will end in some sort of atomic explosion. And we'll just watch Terror Train as the fires rain down around us. Hell yeah. We're going to take a moment to talk about our sponsors and socials. We're approaching the end of our very first season of Drinking and Screaming. This is it. You've made it to the season finale. If you have any feedback for us, any ideas, the best way to make them happen would be to do our audience feedback survey. So go to bit.ly slash DAS survey 2019. You can also head to patreon.com slash drink and scream to earn some sweet rewards like swag, cocktail recipes, bonus episodes, and make your opinion really count. Mm-hmm. This episode of Drinking and Screaming is brought to you by Mad Lab Distilling and Odd Society, who provided us with the blueberry kombucha cordial and the creme de cacassissa <laughs> used in today's New Year's celebration cocktail. I just don't... Small batch kombucha baby. Kombucha. That's the name of that kombucha. And Mad <laughs> Laboratory... Handcrafted spirit. I've never called them Mad Laboratory. I didn't know that was their... Mad Lab! Yeah, Mad Lab. (laughs) A unique beverage with a complex and rich flavor. Perfect companion to a complex cocktail or on its own for a sweet and bold apparatus? Aperitif. That one's French. (laughs) Ari is not French. What's the port? What would you call port? A dessert. I don't know. Dessert port? They do say dessert port on menus. All right. Anyways, that was the back of the bottle, and clearly we understand why Kelly never reads things. <laughs> you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at drink underscore scream, on Facebook at drink and scream, and you can email us at drinkingandscreaming at gmail.com. Give us some warm, fuzzy feelings this candlelight season by rating and reviewing us on iTunes and Podchaser. We read them all. We love it. Thank you so much. For Discord, we're still cozying on up with our partner, Super Hopped Up, so check out bit.ly slash hopped up discord. If Norris were here, he would say, join the conversation. Hell yeah. It's really popping off in there. It is, actually. And we need more people for season two to talk to. Please, join us. So we'll see you in season two, I guess. We're so awkward because it's been a whole month since we recorded. I've read things since then. Out loud? Maybe not. But I've read things. Um, my... So, there's a big ol' elephant in the room that we haven't quite addressed about this movie. Sure, Halloween, yeah. Kills some teens, having sex, boobs, all that stuff. David Copperfield was in this movie? What? Just as... Magician? He's specifically not David Copperfield. No, he is party magician hired for this college train New Year's adventure. Yep. Who seems just super like down on his luck, I guess. And he's like, I just gonna take any fucking job. His assistant's like, you gotta do it for the show, man. Come on. And he's like, I guess, but I'm a I'm a professional card magician and I've got I'm David Copperfield. Like I what? don't I don't remember seeing David Copperfield in any other movie. And this prominently, this is like, you know how actors write like their 
special trait like juggling or banjo. Yeah, as special like, skills. I'm That's an a actor. resume section. I'm a Shakespearean actor, but I can juggle. This it's David Cofferfield. He he magics and his special ki- skill is acting. I guess. <laughs> Which and, isn't even the everything was shot from a way that. They could super hide his good magic yeah. by camera Such cuts. Such good magic. Like, I mean, it was the 80s. It's literally like flaring around, shooting fucking cards out of his sleeve or whatever. Yeah. Disappearing behind cloths. But like, they made an, like, and he is significantly in this movie. It is a major plot point of this movie that there is a magician on the train. Which is like, is it supposed to be so that the the characters have someone to think that it is the killer yeah, until like it's finally revealed that it's Kenny? I think it's specifically, because like at one point, Doc thinks that it's the magician yeah. that is killing people and they go to find him and they find the magician stabbed in his box of knives. Oh my God. But like, I just think it's fucking buck wild that like the director or the writer was like, can we get David Copperfield? Because there is an entire plot point resolving around this yeah. man needing to do magic. <laughs> and we have a 10 minute scene of him doing magic at the back of this train. Yeah, and I wasn't very entertaining. It was- One thing that gets me is the, if you know how this trick happens, I'm sure it's an obvious thing now because it's very The masked classic. magician told everybody. But like when they raise people and then they move the curtain and then there's nobody there. How do they do it? Don't tell me. But how? Oh, my God. It's like there's a curtain behind them with a bar behind it or something. That's what I think. But like (laughs) still, it blows my mind. I mean, it's also a movie, so they could not use the classic magic. But that trick, yeah, has a real thing. Like it's a real in magic. So my actual point, that was just me describing the fact that David Copperfield is in this. When he shows up and does his 10-minute scene of magic, yeah, I did not trust this movie. I did not have faith in this movie yet, and I assumed that he would have nothing to do with the rest of the plot. I thought that maybe they writ, writ a script. They writ a script. They wrote a script. <laughs> they showed David, David Copperfield, and he was like, mm, yes, I like, I like horror, and I will be in this movie. And the writers are like, what? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to be in your horror movie now. I'm in your movie. And they were like, shit, we (laughs) got to write a scene for him. Yeah. I did not have faith that they incorporated David Copperfield into the actual story. Yeah. But they do. Yeah. So the the final reveal as who the actual killer is, is it turns out that Kenny dressed up as a lady to be David Copperfield, not David Copperfield's assistant and... He was killing everybody under the guiles of being a sexy assistant. Yes. Which they actually hired an actor who pulled off drag quite well. Yes. Is there, do you think there's an element of trans personality and character there? Normally I would say yes, but the fact that like anytime that this kind of plot comes up and then the character is like unwell and dressed up as a woman is like, like, oh, I had this tragic event and now I need to dress as a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Then I feel like it's transphobia, but this was literally like, I need to fucking kill my classmates. I know Without of it. them knowing who I am. I read the paper and I saw this ad for needing a sexy assistant. I'm kind of wifeish. I'm going to dress up and drag and be a sexy assistant to get on this train and kill my friends. Like it was more. My cu- enemies. Yeah. It was like cunning and decisive more than transphobic, I think. Good. Because when he reveals himself, he fully takes off drag and just kills them in basically a scream outfit. Yeah. Which, yeah, I think it's 
more smart that he dressed up in the last thing that they would ever expect him to be dressed up as. And nobody like made fun of him for being dressed in drag. It was just, guess what? Whoa. Y'all yeah. fuckers didn't notice. Yeah. Yeah. Which again, it just make another another point that he was invisible. Yeah, exactly. Like we didn't like when they the revealed. Viewers saw him yeah. and, and didn't know. So I thought that was good. That was, and yeah, again, David Copperfield extremely written into the plot of this movie. <laughs> Even like spends half the time just hitting on Laurie Strode slash yeah. Jamie Le- Lee Curtis. That was weird, but in a creepy way, so that you think he's the killer. Yes. But he's probably just super lonely because nobody respects magic. And I'm, but I'm like, you're an adult man. She's like 18. <laughs> adult? How old do you think David Copperfield was in the 80s? I don't know. I'm going to look up real quick. How okay. old is David Copperfield? So he was 30. Yeah, so, yeah, so that's little, weird. She was 20, maybe, at best, yeah. if she was just leaving college. The character, yeah. 21? I don't know when people leave college. I didn't go. I've been twice. You go 18, right? Yeah. Three to four years? Yeah, around 21. Although she was a med student, so maybe like six years? Yeah. When did... But they aren't... Oh, yeah, they are graduating. Wait, is it end of semester or is it... Yeah, this was their like going away party. This was their last hurrah. So she must have been like 22, 23. Maybe. Seven, so. eight, seven eight years. That's not bad. Plus, he's a magician. He's basically a fucking child. <laughs> What's your next point? <laughs> Uh, I only have two points because you told me you had a lot of trivia. And apparently I had a lot to say about David Copperfield. (laughs) Um, So this one is specifically about the setting of this movie being on a train. Which is good because that's a huge, the only unique part. Could have been in a fucking babysitting (laughs) house, two-story loft, whatever. Um, But the fact that they put it on a train, I think, makes it uniquely distinct from a lot of horror movies. Yeah. Because it creates this, like, not only does it create a very claustrophobic setting of, like, how the fuck are they going to get away? They're in a train. And the trains are skinny. And also, you can only go so far on either end before you stop having train. But, like, the... the We watched Snowpiercer. Yep. And I think I'm... Shout out. I'm in Snowpiercer 2020, the TV show, nice. by the way. Nice. Shout out. But Snowpiercer has, does this really cool thing where like each train is very distinct and it creates almost like this like mini narrative of each train, uh, car, yeah. cab, yeah. So that when you're watching Terror Train, like you remember each separate cabin yeah. because you're like, this is the sleeping cabin. Obviously he's going to kill him in bed and it's going to be kind of sexy. This is the like partying, graduating one where like the dirtier stuff happens. This is like the general. This is kind of like the the sort of, diner car and the magician car the magician car (laughs) and then near the end of the movie this is the um conductor's car and then the secret sleeping cabin where the adults sleep because they're adults and they don't need a party cabin so like just it made you like know kind of in your mind like which cabin they were going to and let them do like different narratives in each different cabin yeah it was really cool i liked that i like your thoughts on it it's a dumb movie but they'd like I'm sure the director meant to do this, but I thought it was very clever. Good. That, that's it. That's my thoughts. David Copperfield and Train. <laughs> Trains. Woo. Magic. Kind of woo. <laughs> <laughs> Hitting on a possibly 22-year-old. Not know. so woo. Yeah. Ba-da-da! Scaredy facts. Yes, so it's been did, a while. <laughs> I did the scaredy facts this time around. Starting off with the budget, it was $3.5 million estimated. And wow. the opening weekend at the box office, it made $8 million. Wow. We kind of assumed that this was a not, well, like a, just a 
pulp fic or not pulp fiction, a cult classic. Yeah. That made like not enough money and nobody liked it. We I've never heard anyone talk about this movie before. And I think yeah, it's not the cult classic that it is. As in the and when I wow, what it, are words? It's not the cult classic that this it is. is. I think you should just leave that in because. Being sick for so long, I couldn't drink any alcohol, and now my tolerance is super low. Nice. And whew. Yeah, because it fall, it rides the coattails of Halloween, which was incredibly successful. Mm-hmm. But then this movie was successful in coming out right after Halloween and having the same vibe, but then it wasn't as unique as Halloween was. Yeah, it in didn't terms stick the landing. The, yeah. Plus, there was no Terror Train 2. The Terror Training. <laughs> I actually read something that's similar to this story then because I assume also part of its success was the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis was in it mm. and she was just in Halloween. Halloween. Yeah. And I read something about um, when Iron Man 1 came out, it was like RDJ's like return to acting after his fall from his drug addiction and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, RDJ? Robert Downey Jr.? I've never heard him as RDJ. Really? Yeah. That's his initials. Oh, R-D-J. Yeah. I heard R-T-J. I was Not like, like R- R-T-J? Arby's J. Yeah. Okay, continue. Um, so he Iron Man came out. He came back from uh, yeah. rehab. It was super successful and everyone loved it. And then he did Tropic Thunder like almost immediately. And people think that that movie wouldn't have been successful if it wasn't for the fact that he had just been like, like there'd been yeah. so much news about him coming back for Iron Man. Yeah. Tropic Thunder also a very good movie. Terror Train, also a very good movie. Yeah. Kind of just riding the coattails on the first success of these actors coming, either coming back or like introducing themselves into acting. But they do do blackface in Tropic Thunder. Yes. Not very cool at all. I don't have enough opinion about that, but I feel like they did it in a way that addressed it in the right way. Yeah. Like in The Office, how The Office is cringe when it's sexist, but still, yeah. I don't know. Specifically, he gets shat on for doing it. Yeah. Yes, but I have no frame of reference in that field, so I won't claim anything. Ready for the first f- uh, scaredy fact? I am, yes. The idea for Terror Train came from a dream that Daniel Grodnick <gasps> had. One weekend night after seeing the film Halloween 1978 and Silver Streak 1976, Dan woke up and said to his wife, what do you think about putting Halloween on a train? Literally, that's how he came <laughs> up with this idea. His wife was like, that's terrible. So then on his nightstand, he had a notepad and he just wrote terrible train nice. on a piece of paper. <laughs> and then in the morning, he changed the title to Terror Train, wrote up 22 pages, and he made a deal on it with Sandy Howard's company at three in the afternoon. This story came and went that quickly. He had a deal in a day. In a day? From concept to sort of having a few there pages There had to written. be second drafts. Yeah, well, yeah. It's only 22 pages. You think That's he, not a script. Do you but. think he was like, Jamie Lee Curtis gets killed on a train. Also, David Lee, or David Copperfield, super cool. Let's get him in there. <laughs> exactly. And then, so that's the next point, is that this was David Copperfield's only acting role in film or television. No! He's uh, played himself in numerous films and television series, but he's never actually played a role. He once said in an interview, film is a magnifying glass for magic. So I had to be very careful. What you see on screen is exactly what the extras saw during shooting, which just makes me laugh because you could tell you can, we kind of brought this up already, but like everything was shot so that it was so easy for the magic to be done. Yeah. And the extras behind him 
they were totally seeing the strings that were happening. He literally does a shot where he's like standing in the middle of the terror train holding a blanket and then lets it go and his assistant is there while extras are behind the blanket just looking up at him. And going, oh, oh she magically appeared. I mean, uh, the best audience for a magician is a drunk audience. So <laughs> just a bunch of drunk, horny yeah. college students. <laughs> exactly. Uh, next one, Jamie Lee Curtis shot this film back to back with a similarly themed slasher film, Prom Night, hmm. which I've only seen the remake of Prom Night. I've never seen the original. And now that I know Jamie Lee Curtis stars in it, I'm definitely going to watch it. But really, really cool. Fun fact. The thing I'm the most proud of. Both films were shot in Canada. <gasps> That's Prom- us. Prom Night 1980 was in Toronto and Terror Train. Are you ready for it? Yeah. 1980. Shot in Montreal. Nice. Woo! That's where I'm from. They have trains in Quebec? Yeah. Mm. How do they work on the bumpy-ass tracks that haven't been worked on in years? They don't have bumpy-ass train tracks. It's only bumpy-ass roads. I don't know. (laughs) You better recognize. One one half dozen of one and a dozen of the other. I don't know how that phrase goes. (laughs) Don't be mean about my homeland. Snow was an integral story element for some of the movie's location exterior shooting. Good thing they did it in Montreal then. Exactly. (laughs) Movie News Magazine Australia reported that everybody had been praying for snow, which plays an important part in the script. As if by magic, several inches of snow fell during the first night of exterior shooting outside. Jokingly, this has been attributed to the presence of co-star magician David Copperfield, which is incredible because while we were watching it, I was like, wow, I don't know what they use, but this fake snow looks good. (laughs) It's like when we saw Krampus, I was like, that's some pretty good fake snow. But that was actual fake snow. This was real snow. It was real. That never happens. I'm actually really bummed about this fact. Oh. Because when you were saying it and you were like, it was like magic. And I was like, haha, good thing they had David Copperfield. And then the end of the fact made that joke. So I got nothing. As a podcaster, all I have are the things that I think of while other people are talking. And really, you just took that away from me. So. I'm, re- I'm, I'm sorry. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, too. Yeah, whatever. As if by magic, I love you, too. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Cinematographer John Alcott devised a unique method of lighting Terra Train. He rewired the entire train and mounted individual dimmers on the exteriors of the carriage cars. So he utilized a variety of different bulbs and wattages and controlled them with the external dimmers, which then meant that he could light the set in a very fast and efficient manner. So at times, Alcott used medical lights like pen torches, you know, the ones that they uh, use on like, follow the light with your eye to hand light the actor's faces. Wow, that's awesome. Which is super cool because this had the whole like medical vibe because of the students were all medical students mm-hmm. and everything. It did have the darkness of like an old movie. Like I noticed while we were watching that that it was very dark yeah. and looked really muddy. But I don't know. I don't know if that makes it more claustrophobic or anything like that or if it's just of its time. But it's nice to know that he used not lighting props for lighting. And that might be kind of why it's a bit darker. And it's like, oh, the pen torch is super cool. Yeah. Blows my mind. That's my last one. I really like that one. Nice. Woo. Do you have um, some final thoughts? Yes. And it's way up our ass. All right. Go for it. Just so far up our ass. Um, Man, I... hmm. This is my final thought, but I almost feel bad having it 
do you ever have that experience where you've watched something or like consumed something that you've never heard anyone talk about and you feel like, oh man, I discovered something? I used to do that all the time. Literally when I was a child, trends would start, but it was always right after I had read like the series of unfortunate events. I was like, I started the trend <laughs> of reading a series of unfortunate events. I mean, you know when you like make feet or uh, legs with your hand and then kind of like walk with like your index and your middle finger. Yes. I thought I invented that. Um, <laughs> but watching this movie and literally having never heard of it before, I feel like we've discovered it. I feel like this movie has been like buried underground. More and people like, need to see it. Yeah. So if anybody's listening to this, like watch it and then also tell people that we, we like came up with watching it and yeah. that's kind of our thing. Totally. We're so cool. Let the director know that we watched his movie and like it's coming back in a big way and that's because of us. So, <laughs> but yeah, super up our ass thought. But that was literally what I was thinking. Like after we were done, I was like, I've nobody's talked about this movie yeah. and we watched it. <laughs> what? What? Which is how we're I- We're trendsetters. <laughs> <laughs> what I wanted to do for this episode was I specifically wanted to do a New Year's movie so i looked up like what are the best horror new year's films and this one was one of the ones that was there aren't that many Mm -hmm. and this one was also it seemed the most unique in the sense of the concept and it had jamie lee curtis and this whole story about trying to roll the coattails of halloween it was good and we discovered it we totally it was us we did it my final thought is that uh this is the first new year's horror film that i've ever seen and i was honestly a fan even though it's not necessarily a good movie. Like I said in my earlier points, next New Year's, I think I want to watch it. <laughs> um, and something that we didn't actually bring up was that I really like the use of the different costumes being the killer's disguises. Oh, so yeah. every time he kills somebody, he takes on their persona. He's still quiet as he's like maneuvering through the cars and dealing with people, but he becomes that character. And the way he interacts with people using their costume changes, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, it's really unique. Like, I don't, I can't think of another movie that I've seen where they dress up in costume. I feel like one of the Screams probably did it, where they like I haven't switch, seen all of them where yet. they switch costumes. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's that's a good point. And it was, yeah, such a fun movie. I definitely want to come back to it. And yeah, if you haven't seen it, I really recommend it. And we discovered it. Well, that's been Terror Train, a movie about conducting the murder of your ex-friends. Next week, we'll be starting season two. You don't even have to wait because you waited so long for the season finale of season one. If you want to help us make season two awesome, then go to bit.ly slash DAS survey 2019, even though it's 2020. Uh, you remember 2019. Not it was that a long whole ago. year ago. Seriously, fill out that survey. It's going to really help us with how we want to change things in this podcast to make it even better. We've already got some feedback that you like it better when our episodes are a bit shorter. So we're going to be doing that. A bit more detail in the synopsis. But still, throw out more details for us. Get more turnt. Oh, yeah. I mean, that happened this episode because my tolerance is way down. Hell, yeah. And remember, always scream responsibly. Yeah. Bye. Cough, 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 cough. Get it? Because you were sick. Heh. <laughs>